As we remain standing before the Lord, shall we turn to the scriptures? Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. Praise the Lord. Father, we are grateful to you this morning for your words, speaking to our lives. Release anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of your word effective, Father. We pray, O God, that you will do a greater, deeper work in each and every one of us. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, every critical spirit, we bind them in the name of Jesus, and we take victory in the house. To Christ be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We will continue with where we left off last week. We started by saying about the vision that Prophet Isaiah had. Prophet Isaiah had a vision on the earthly setting. He was probably going through a grief. There was doubt, uncertainty in his life. For a moment, the throne was empty as King Uzziah had died. And as he was contemplating, God allowed him to look into the throne room of God. And what he saw in the throne room of God is being recorded here. He's allowed to see God seated on a throne, high and lifted up. And his train, the robes filled the temple. And there was active worship rising up from the throne room of God. And as he gazes into the throne room of God, he realized that even though the earthly throne where his king sat was void, but God was still on his throne. God is still on his throne. God is in control of every one of our lives. Our earthly settings can change. The things around us can fade. The things around us can mutate. The settings around us can shake, tremble, and topple. But God is always in control. Praise God. 
God is in control of our lives. When we think that things are falling apart, when we feel as if our life is going on a spiral downwards, when we feel at times that we are on a roller coaster ride, when we feel that there are uncertainties for the future, when the horizon is full of dark clouds, when the future forecast is very bleak, always remember God is on the throne. Praise the Lord. When the outlook is bleak, the outlook is always glorious. Look up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look up. Look beyond what you see with your naked eyes. Hallelujah. Ask God to give you a vision of beyond where and what you can see. Hallelujah. Using the lens of God's word. Using the lens of faith, look beyond. Hallelujah. And may God allow us to trust him to lead us step by step into the glory that he has reserved for you and for me. Praise God. As he sees, he sees the seraphims with six wings. They are actively telling each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. Praise God. Every time we come to worship God, we have to be moved by the attributes of God. Hallelujah. God is awesome. There is none like him. He is incomparable in his glory, in his majesty, in his honor, in his power, in his workings, in his ways, in his words, in his deeds. He is incomparable. Once we get a revelation of the awesome greatness of God, hallelujah, everything else will fade away. We can concentrate on him and we will give glory to him. They are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Amen. Praise God. In worship, in authentic worship, God expects a response from us. Praise God. Hallelujah. There has to be an active response from worshipers when they come to worship God. You and I cannot be just Passive bystanders, spectators, and audience in worship. There is only one audience, and that is God. Praise God. You and I are not audience. We have to engage ourselves in worship. Praise God. Hallelujah. If we have to engage ourselves in worship, our vision has to rise up from here. Praise God. And we need to be taken to that realm as the God's word exposes us the greatness of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God for our singers. Thank God for our musicians. Hallelujah. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You and I have to be ushered by the Spirit of God into the throne room of God as we worship Him. Praise God. Yes, God expects us to be active responders in worship. Hallelujah. The more we worship, 
we become like the object that we worship. Hallelujah. Therefore, we have to make sure that we worship who? God and God alone. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, we see that he sees the vision that he has. You see, God is on the throne. And once he gets the revelation, immediately he realizes that he is undone. And the prophet cries out, Woe unto me, I'm undone. I'm a man with unclean lips. And I live among people who have unclean lips. Praise God. Confession. Amen. Confession. He not only sees the glory of God, he's also given a vision of his own state. Praise God. Every worship that we come, we have to capture the worship a heavenly vision at the same time, you and I have to take a moment to look inward. Praise God. Inward. Praise God. Quite often, we look around. And when we look around, what happens is we see someone sitting next to us whom we might think is not par with the standards. Perhaps our standards Perhaps the standard of God's word. But you and I only have one business. To look up. And after that. Look in. In the light of the glory of God. Lord. What do I see inside? In the light of the glory of God. That is being shown to me. Do I see gloom. Inside if so. I have to come to a place where I say, Lord, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And as soon as the prophet says that, the Bible says, one of the seraphims took a live coal from the altar of God and did what? Touched his lips with the live coal. Praise God. I want you to come with me for a moment. The seraphim picked up a live coal from the altar of God. How did he pick it? How did he pick it? It's in the Bible. Not a tricky question. Oh, with what? And did what? Praise God. Quite often when we confess our shortcomings, praise God. People feel so inadequate. People don't want to confess their shortcomings. We feel that we have already arrived. Yes, we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I stand here by grace and grace alone. By grace, by, it is only by grace that I can, I can enter. And it's only by grace that I can stand. Not by human endeavor. Nothing that I can do can make me stand before him. But when I see the shortcomings within me, God expects me to confess it. You would think that the live call from the altar of God would burn the prophet's lips. The live call from the altar of God was not touched 
was not pleased or touched upon his lips to burn him, but to build him. Praise God. God's word, when it comes to you and me, and it convicts us and takes us to a place of repentance, it's not to disqualify you, but to qualify you. It's not to disable you, but to enable you. Praise God. And we shy away from it because we feel that it is to disqualify me. It is to disable me. No, it's not to disqualify you, but to qualify you to enter into ministry, to enter into service, and to enter into an active worship with God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. See, in true confession... Always remember, there is forsaking. In true repentance, there is renouncing. You cannot say that I am repenting, but there is no renouncing of sin. I can't say that I am confessing my sin, but not forsaking my sin. Praise God. In true confession, when you truly confess, there is an element in us that allows us to forsake the things that we are asking asking forgiveness for. Praise God. When I enter into the presence of God and I'm confessing my sins and I'm asking Lord to forgive me, I need to be in a place where I am willing to forsake Whatever that I'm asking God or whatever area that I'm asking God to touch me. If it's that lips that God is asked that I am saying, Lord, I have an unclean lips. And that is where I need a touch. God expects me to forsake the very things that has been defiling my lives. Praise God. Whether it's the mind realm or the activity realm. Whatever realm that is in, that we are in, praise God, where defilement or contamination of the world has creeped into our lives, you and I, when we ask the Lord to forgive us, we also need to actively forsake it as the Lord to give you victory over those areas in our lives. See, when God forgives, he forgets. And you and I need not live with guilt for the rest of our lives. But we also need to know that we have to completely forsake the ways that we are asking God to forgive us. Quite often Christians get into the rut of asking forgiveness without forsaking the ways that is bringing their life down. Praise God. A man once went to a priest and walked into a confession box. He was being, he was thinking about his lifestyle and he walked into that confession box and he said, Father, I have sinned. And the priest looked at him and said, what is the matter? He said, for the last five years I've been stealing. What have you been doing? The priest asked him. He said, well, I work in a lumber yard and uh, I've been stealing from the lumber yard. How long and what have you been doing? Well, Father, it's been quite some time. 
How much have you stolen from your master? He said, well, I built a house for myself. The priest said, wow, a house with the stolen lumber? Is that it? He says, no, I built one for my son. Oh, is that it? No, I built one for my daughter also. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I also built a cottage by the lake. The priest looked at him and said, well, this is very serious. Let me think of a far-reaching penance for you. After a thought, after a moment, the priest said, Well, I have some prescription for you. Have you ever done a retreat before? The man looked at him and said, Father, give me the plants. I will get you the lumber. Quite often, this is how our forgiveness our confession works also. We go through the motion, but there is no forsaking. The next moment, the opportunity arrives, we jump right back into it. That's not the kind of life that God is calling us for. God is calling us to live a life that is victorious, not again and again being brought down Praise God. But trusting in his grace. Hallelujah. Rising above the slips and the falls and the falters of our lives. Forsaking the very things that is bringing our lives down. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. Isaiah, after he was touched by the live coal. Till then he heard the seraphims crying out, Holy, holy, holy. After that he hears the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord comes forth saying, What? Whom shall I send who will go for us? And immediately Isaiah responds to that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Before any service to the Lord, there has to be a cleansing. Before we get involved in service to God, before we get involved in ministry to God, there has to be a cleansing. No service to God before a cleansing. Listen. If I'm a teacher by profession, or if I'm a professor by profession, I can use my teaching skills, I can teach in a school, I can teach in a college. If my skill or my profession is to be an administrator, I can be a good administrator anywhere. If I am a, a musician, I can use my skills anywhere. If I'm a good, good singer, I can use my voice anywhere. But let me tell you, there is a difference between using my skills, God-given skills, inbuilt skills, skills that I am born with in any arenas of life versus using it in the house of God. There is a difference. 
If I have to teach in the school, I can use my teaching skill. I need not be necessarily be cleansed by the Lord to use my teaching skill in a school. If I am an orator, if I am a professor, I can give lectures in a college. But that doesn't require me to have a cleansing by the Lord. If I'm a singer, I can sing in a club. If I'm a musician, I can play music in a club. But when I enter into the service of God, God expects me to be cleansed before I enter into worship, before I enter into serving him, regardless of what realm that service is in, whether I'm a finance manager in the house of God, whether I'm an administrator in the house of God, whether I'm a Sunday school teacher in the house of God, whether I'm a deacon in the house of God, whether I'm a pastor in the house of God, whether I'm a worship leader in the house of God, whether I'm a musician in the house of God, the loud call from the altar of God has to touch me before I engage in worship and in service to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Once that coal touches Isaiah's lips, he is allowed to engage in that conversation with God. Here's the voice. He hears the voice, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He says, Lord, here I am. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. God has called you and me to be his children, to be the carriers of the presence of God. But as we live in this world, there are things that will contaminate our body and our spirit. Paul writing to, to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Since we have these great promises, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit. Praise God. Asking, as we enter in service to the Lord, asking the Lord, Lord, cleanse me as we engage in ministry with the Lord. Praise God. God calls us, we who are called to be priests, we who have been called to minister to God and to his people. Praise God. He has called us for a service but a life that is consecrated. A life that is consecrated. What is consecration? What is consecration? And apart, conscious, consecration is the act of setting ourselves apart from the world. Praise God. Becoming a dedicated instrument of righteousness for the purpose of God. The act of setting ourselves apart. Praise God. 
God has set us apart. We've been made holy. We've been justified. We have the provision to be sanctified. And one day God would glorify us. But there is something that you and I have to do. We have to set us apart. As I engage in the things of God. As I engage in a service for God. I have to set myself apart from the world. What does that mean? Go to another world, live in isolation, live a sheltered life. I don't talk to anybody, I don't speak to anybody, I am out of this world, I'm a weirdo. No, that's not what the Bible says. As I am actively involved in this world, I am very well aware of who I am and who I belong to. And that the seal of the Holy Spirit is upon me and the Holy Spirit is in residence within me. Therefore, I live a life that is pleasing to Him. A life that is set apart. A life that is consecrated. That means I cannot do what everybody else does. That means I cannot engage myself in everything that everybody else does. Let everybody do whatever they want. But you and I have been called to be the children of God. And God expects a a standard from you and from me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Children of the Most High. Hallelujah. Yes. We serve the one who lives in unapproachable light. And Paul says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Praise God. Whoa. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a lofty standard that I can by myself cannot achieve, but he enables me. Praise God. Hallelujah. The power of God within me. Praise God. The provision that is given for me, the grace of God that is given to me, enables me. Praise God. Hallelujah. To live a life that is Pleasing to the Lord. In the fellowship of Christian athletes, Bobby Richardson, who used to be a baseball player with the New York Yankees, used to play the second base, and this is what he said in a prayer meeting of the athletes. He said, this is how we pray, Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, Nothing else. Amen. Praise God. Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. If we have to live according to the will of God, you and I have to come to a place where we seek the will of God. And the will of God is made known to us through the word of God. Praise God. 
the word of God will tell us what is the will of God. Amen. Praise God. God wants us to know the will of God, and he wants us to live according to the will of God. Praise God. So Isaiah responds to the call or the clarion call that he hears. He says, I will go. I'm ready to go. See, God is not only seeking for true worshipers. God who seeks for worshipers is also seeking for workers. He's seeking for worshipers and he's also seeking for workers. Jesus said the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of harvest that he will send forth workers into the field. So he is looking not only for worshipers. Jesus in his discourse with the Samaritan woman says that God the Father is looking for worshipers, true worshipers. Here Jesus is saying he's looking for workers. Every worshiper has to become a worker. Hello. Every worshiper has to become a worker. Praise God. As you worship him, the nature of God, hallelujah, the, 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 the nature of God is impressed upon our lives. And we become not only worshipers who please Him, we also become workers who please Him and do the will of God. Amen. Praise God. Am I a worker? Are we only worshipers or are we workers also? Praise God. God wants us to become worshiper and a worker. So what does that mean? That means as I actively engage in worship, I also want to engage in service to the Lord. Whatever area that God has called you out to be, you and I, God expects us to be people who are involved in service of the Lord. It could be in-house within the church. It could be outside in the world. It could be, it, it could be through any para-organization, a para-Christian organization, reaching out and doing the work of the Lord. God wants every worshiper to be a worker. Praise God. Yes. In every era, God is calling. He is calling. Is calling for what? He wants people to know Christ. He wants people to accept Christ. He wants people to obey Christ. He wants people to follow Christ. He wants people to do the will of the Lord. Praise God. And doing so, God expects you and me who are worshipers to engage and act Activate ourselves, number one, by consecrating our lives, our lives, dedicating our lives as instruments of righteousness in the hands of a righteous holy God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You and I become effective, productive, according to the measuring tape of God. 
Praise God. When we align ourselves to the will of God. Praise God. Prophet Isaiah says, Lord, I will go. Praise God. I will go. But this time when he went, praise God. He was different. He carried the oracles of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. God wants our lives to be consecrated. And from the platform that where we are consecrated, He wants us to start serving Him. And by doing so, you and I are able to usher the grace of God and the glory of God to a world that is desperate around us, seeking for a touch from God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me ask you, my friend, this morning as we are seated here to worship God, can you ask yourself, this morning, Father, as my worship rose up to heaven, praise God, were you pleased with my worship? Noah, after the flood, the Bible says, he built an altar and he offered a sacrifice unto the Lord. And the Bible says, the Lord smelled that sweet aroma of the offering and was pleased with him. Praise God. The Bible says God was pleased with Abel and his offering. Praise God. As I enter into the presence of God, my prayer should be, Lord, as I come here to give you the fruit of my lips, giving thanks unto you. As I come and as I offer my labor, my services, my efforts to you, Father, it's my prayer that you will be pleased with me and everything that I do for you. Praise God. For that, it takes an authentic, a real introspection. God wants us to be honest to ourselves and to God. See, I can pull, pull wool over everybody else's eyes, but I cannot pull wool over God's eyes. So I have, when I come into his presence, I have to be true to him. I have to be, I have to be honest and upfront to him. When I become upfront and true and honest to him, then everything that I offer unto him becomes kosher. God wants me to be kosher first, and then everything that I offer unto him. Praise God. What is it? Are we promoting works here? No. Praise God. That's not what we are promoting. One who is living in the light has to produce works that will, that will display his glory and his character. Praise God. Jesus said, you shall know, know a tree by its, by its fruit. That means the fruit that we produce reflects who we are and whose we are. Praise God. 
the scriptures, the standards in the Bible are given not to disqualify us, but to qualify us, not to disable us, but to enable us. Allow the call from the altar of God to touch the area and the arenas of our lives that God needs to touch so that we can serve Him with much more power, with much more excitement, much more enthusiasm, with much more effectiveness hallelujah praise God God wants us to be people who are who have an edge and we are a people who live in an era who have an edge much more than the people of the Old Testament. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us, giving us the edge. We have been justified, and we have access into the presence of God, into the throne room of God, which gives me the edge. I can also run up to the throne of grace, calling him above Father, asking for grace in time of need. I can ask for grace, and he will supply grace and enabling me to rise up about every challenge, every hurdles, every storms, every temptation that the enemy sends against me. He gives me grace to overcome. He says, I've opened the door for you. You and I can go in and access. Praise God. Strength and grace in time of need. It's available for you and for me. The question is, are we willing to enter into his presence? Praise God. Not just go through a motion of worship, but a worship that is engaging. A worship that is pleasing and moving from the realm of worship into working for God and for the glory of God. All eyes closed shall we pray. Father, we yield our lives to you, Father. We pray that our lives will be consecrated for you and for your service, Lord. Regardless of what realm that you have called me into, Lord. Regardless of what arena that God has placed us. Wherever we are serving, we pray that we will be people who are consecrated. So that we become instruments of righteousness for the purpose of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for enabling us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.